the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app. I am merely Mike Luke, joined by the great Ben White in Cerritos, California, the great John Schuster, who is about a mile away from me. Hello, fellas. How you doing? Good evening. Uh, just wonderful. I'm All right. Just- for about 78% of the remainder of the broadcast, the voice will be passable. Right. Occasionally, it'll sound like I'm about 13 years old. But I am here because I watched your broadcast on Thursday night, and I watched you force me into a guarantee that I was going to be here on Saturday night. So because of your guarantee, Mike Luke, you get away with this once. And we are left with the wounded Kermit the Frog. That's it. You're left with wounded Kermit. Uh, So uh, take that. Well, it's always it's better to have you than not have you. Your presence was noted. It was a notable absence. Um, Yeah, kind of like this basketball game tonight. All right. Let's talk about this. Arizona, Colorado right here. Um, This was a game where Julius Tabellas didn't play again. Another not a vintage Julius Tabellas game, but aha. The Cats had another answer right here. They weren't just going to rely on Azulis. And that man's name is the leader of men that we call Umar Ballo. 18 and 16, an absolute beast out there. Fellas, who wants to talk about Umar Ballo first? Ben White does because he's in the upper corner. That's true. Yeah, a similar... usurping your authority. I like it. Good. Good, good work, Ben. A similar game compared to Thursday in the sense that you didn't have a spectacular performance from Tuvelis, but you had somebody else step up tonight, and that was Ballo. I mean, career high, 18 points. You look at the rebounding as well, 16 rebounds. My goodness, this guy is a double-double machine, but he's taken it to a whole new level. And I thought when you look at what he did tonight and you look at all the games that he's played so far as a Wildcat the last two years, I thought this was his best all-around game altogether. Not only was he getting into the paint, not only was he getting shots up, but he was blocking shots like no other. It was clear that Colorado was going to at least try to flirt with going inside to the bucket early on, but Bala was not going to let that happen. De Silva obviously got in foul trouble in Colorado. While they did shoot well to start the first four minutes of the game, I believe they had 18 points in four minutes. And then after that, it kind of just faded away and Colorado had absolutely no answer. And Umar Bala was a big reason for that. And obviously you look at the guards as well as being a big reason for that. Last uh, last time we talked about Creesa, we talked specifically about Ramey as well, but you look at somebody like Cedric Henderson tonight who kind of slides in there and has 15 points, six for eight from the field, a really well-performed game by the guards and Balo, obviously the anchor. And when you're a team in Colorado who has no ability to match up in the front court, your best players in foul trouble, and Arizona's guards are hitting on all cylinders along with Balo playing the game that he did, Pretty impressive performance by the Cats there, Shu. Yeah, this is uh, one of those. Uh, uh, thankfully, Ballo had a good performance, and we can talk about Tabellus as well for the opposite reason now, uh, three games in a row. But beyond that, this is one of those challenging post games where it was kind of a slog to watch. Arizona mm. scored 78 points, and there seemed to be a lack of any particular rhythm. Right. Uh, and, and, and every once in a while you get a bit of a challenge on the, you know, in these conversations, it's a long season. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with Colorado. Colorado has awkward height. Uh, <laughs> that's and, a great way of putting it. I was trying to figure out that the entire game. It's weird, but yes, yeah. that's a great way of putting it. So, so they make the game look out of rhythm. 
Right. And, and as a result, sometimes it's tough to watch, but out of rhythm is their best chance. They've got one star and, a, and some young players who they think are going to come around and make things better. And Boyle sort of has cobbled this together to where they're still somehow over 500 and good enough to be a problem, but not nearly good enough to play a team like Arizona at this stage. Boyle feels like Bob Bender back in the days at Washington, where you're always kind of good enough. You'll always kind of be on the tournament fringe. You might get a good player here or two. You might have the great Todd McCullough at some point, but you're never going to really get over the point. We'll get to that. We'll get to Boyle there in a second. But also wanted to talk to you a little bit about this shoe. Uh, this was from a previous game, but um, Courtney Ramey has really seemed to settle in into kind of his role here. I would like to see him drive a little bit more, but even when he doesn't have a huge game like he has had in the previous games, he looks like a guy now that is comfortable that he could go for 15 or 20 points pretty much every game. And I don't know why, but it's just reassuring for me watching him out there right now. It should be. Uh, that, that That's the type of thing that Arizona needs somebody or a series of somebodies who can be effective on the perimeter, which is one of those things that we've discussed. And one of those areas of potential concern where come tournament time, if Arizona goes cold from beyond the arc, they could have problems. But Ramey has played better. Boswell's played better. Larson has improved. And Creasa has done, generally speaking, a really nice job as well. So you hope that you now have four guys on the wing who are good players. Pretty, You know, there are other teams in the in the nation that have better talent at the position in the backcourt and on the wing than Arizona. But if those guys can hold their own and keep things honest, uh, I, I think it makes you feel better. And, and Ramey has clearly improved over the last three or so weeks. And that does bode well for Arizona. I also agree with you in terms of trying to get to the lane a little bit more, at least try to get a little bit under the foul line. Right. Uh, not because he's able to do it. It's not, you can tell that he's physically capable and he's got the ball handling skills to be able to do it. And Arizona's passing game is good enough to where if you can get past a defender, generally speaking, the Cats have an opportunity to find an open look as a result of moving the ball around. But if you can beat one defender on Arizona, that would be Ramey doing that or Larson doing that most likely, then chances to have an effective offensive possession probably improve uh, for the U of A. And uh, it, it's that sort of thing, especially right now with the with the oddity of the last couple of weeks that is Tabellus, who just doesn't look, I don't know that he's wrong, but he doesn't look right. Uh, and, 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 and hopefully the week off is going to go a long way toward getting him back on track. I don't know if it's coincidental that he's been just kind of slogging. It seems the last, did you uh, happen to see, cause I know that you were sick last game, but did you happen to see the last game when he kicked the ball like 40 yards? I, I thought that the was, kick was really that good. Was, I've never seen that. that. Was, it was pretty impressive. It and was it a great was kick. Those, I've never seen and, that. Though. Yeah, and it was one of those things. That, I mean, the kick looked good. It was fluid. It was in motion. Tabellas hasn't been. And, and it's kind of an interesting dynamic right now because the one thing that you could count on for Arizona as almost an automatic was that Tabellas was going to be good. And the last couple of weeks, it looks like he's hit a bit of a wall. Don't know why. Hopefully it's not a serious thing. It's a temporary thing. The fact that Arizona has one game this late in the season hopefully goes a long way toward getting him his legs back for the stretch run. Yeah, I think the the frustrating thing about it when you watch Tabellus the last couple of games is, like Shu said, it, it could be a number of things. But to me, when you look at the dumb fouls that he's gotten himself into, these things seem very correctable. I don't know if he's just not there mentally right now, if 
you know, somebody like him who carries the load as much as he had both offensive on the offensive side, most of the year, maybe he's kind of hit a, a peak wall, a brick wall in the sense that he's just exhausted. He's not fully mentally there, but he's definitely a guy who's been off, but you know, like they say, right. Half glass, half uh, glass, half full, half empty. Right. The other side of that is the guards have really been able to come out and uh, show what they're able to do. The last few games, we've had four guys who we can talk about having meaningful contributions the last two or three games. I mean, we weren't talking about somebody like Cedric Henderson, you know, scoring 15 points a game, uh, you know, month, two months ago. So the fact that these guys are able to get into double figures and like she said, somebody like Ramey, who is starting to feel a little bit more comfortable in the sense that they can get into the lane and do a little bit more when it comes to passing and, and running that offense at times. If somebody like Carissa needs to get, uh, get, take a seat on the bench or, vice versa, right? So Arizona is able to get a little bit more creative with their offense. But yes, to your guys' point, if Tubelis is not doing what he usually does, this team is going to have some trouble. Have I told you guys about the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX? Not in at least a couple days. Yeah. Well, for you, that's for sure for you. All right. The great Travis Strauss. Um, and again, you guys are smarter than us. We rely on your comments and we don't always get to every single one of them, but you're smarter than us. Well, you're at least smarter than me. I can't speak for sure, Ben. But you're Travis Strauss... This yeah. is called this is called somebody that knows what he's talking about. My DraftKings pick for next week, Arizona over ASU by a million. I agree with you on that one. There's my or here's the deal though with DraftKings. You can put down five dollars right now, uh, and you can bet on any NBA game. And if you're a new customer, you can get up to $200 in free plays. All right. Now, if you're like John Schuster and you're a huge fan of the NBA All Star Game and NBA All Star Weekend. <laughs> then you might even want to try to bet something on that. Check out the show notes in the link in the description. Um, 21 and up, Arizona only gambling problem. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. And the four peaks. Now, listen, a lot not of people. you of A big man. A lot of people are trying to poo-poo the four peaks. We will not, as William Brad Alice said, the secondary peaks of uh, Henry Vesar and Dylan Anderson do their work behind the scenes. They're integral to what we're doing. Just as PHNX, or just as Four Peaks is the official brew of PHNX, it's integral to what we do. Check out the Kilt Lifter. That's for you there, Kobe Feel. All right, now again, check out show notes in the link in the description. All right, let's get back to it. Um, my guy, I want to give this out here, Cedric Henderson, a leader of men. I uh, Nick Howard, the great, another guy, the great Nick Howard. But... Um, I like Cedric Henderson a lot. I like exactly how he's fit into this starting lineup. He doesn't do dumb things out there. He can make the three. He can finish, and he's athletic. I would have been worried about moving Larson to the bench if there wasn't a capable guy to start and play 21, 22 minutes a game. But, guys, I love what I've seen from said Henderson, and this was another game just like that. Who ahead, wants man. that? That's you, Shu. Oh, all right. I guess I will go with that. We're going uh, counterclockwise now. Hey, of course we are. Uh, although Ben at the top of the show uh, made a lot of great points in regards to Henderson. But one of the things I think we've seen uh, the last couple of weeks or so uh, with Ramey, with Henderson, guys who have some experience, who have come into the program from elsewhere, maybe finally getting a little bit more comfortable and understanding what it is that they're uh, supposed to do. So it's nice... Uh, from a Ramey standpoint, as you noted, Mike, and from a Henderson standpoint, as Ben again noted at the top, of two guys who seem to be a lot more confident and comfortable in regards to what it is that they want to accomplish and feel that they're capable of accomplishing. 
And sometimes that takes a little bit of work, too. And uh, it's a credit to the program that it's done as good a job as it has uh, to flesh out this roster a little bit, at least the uh, the seven that are in the group. Uh, and, you know, we saw an Arizona team that tried to go deeper on the bench uh, a lot of times earlier this year, and maybe that affected Ramey and Henderson a little bit. But they've been a lot better and it may help that they're solidified into that rotation and that they know that the coaching staff is going to be there even if things don't always go as well as conceivably they could. So it's nice to see that's in Arizona's success, sans the uh, perplexing Stanford performance. Uh, one of the things that we've been able to talk about uh, with the U of A is not just Tabellus is playing well or Ballo is playing well or look at Larson coming around with his February uh, push again, but that the starting uh, that that the group of seven have all played well, and as a result of that, they've all complemented themselves uh, very nicely, and it's been good news for the Cats. Yeah, and I think what Arizona is really going to be rewarded for when it when it comes to that point is, and I'm sure we're, we'll dive a little bit deeper into this with, with the NCAA released this morning with the uh, early bracket mm -hmm. projections. I think Arizona is going to be rewarded in the sense that you were able to play a lot of these guys early. I mean, there were times in early in the season where we talk about Arizona maybe going to somebody who on the seven, eight, nine spot in a game or a spot where maybe the moment's a little too big for them. But now you look at some of the struggles that whether Tubelis has had the last couple of games, you look at some of the on off play from the guards, getting those guys in early and getting them more importantly meaningful minutes, not minutes in the last five, 10 minutes where Arizona's up by 20 on a non-conference opponent. Minutes where Arizona may be in a game, they may be even trailing, but you throw somebody like Henderson out there, you throw somebody like Larson out there, and it really goes a long way for their development and their contributions when Arizona needs them the most in that if it's Balo or it's Tubelas, obviously it wasn't Balo tonight, had a fantastic career-high performance, but Tonight, Tubelis obviously wasn't able to carry the weight offensively, so you had to have some of those other guys step up. And I think that's what's so different about you look at the guard play under Lloyd and the way that he kind of grooms these guys and the way that he runs these offenses. You never really saw that under Miller in previous regimes where a player would come in, they would sit on a bench, they would be told they're one type of guy, they would live that role day in and day out, whereas with Lloyd, it's all about development, it's all about piecing it together, it's kind of like it's the worked out really nice for them. It's kind of like the Dalen Terry thing, where Dalen Terry was essentially told as a freshman to stand in the corner and shoot threes, and he wasn't good at threes. Whereas, you know, Tommy Lloyd comes in, then he says, we're going to have you running the break. We're going to have you initiating the offense. He's very good at doing what, you know, he does. Speaking of which, we've had a, uh, um, there's a lot of scuttlebutt, a lot of fun back and forth right here in the comments about Azulis Tabellas. I'm curious as to your take on this shoe. Um, a couple people think that uh, teams are on to Azulis Tabellas as in, you know, there's a scouting report on him. Others are saying that they just think that he doesn't seem uh, super engaged right now. What does John Schuster think? Uh, you know, that, that that may be a little bit of column A to column B. The engagement thing, however. Oh, it's exactly appears, what it is. It appears a little bit more. Uh, I tend to land more in the engagement category for some. And I'm not entirely sure why. I feel like at this late portion of the year, we would have seen teams figure out Tabellus in this conference and how to. Because he uh, is in his third him. year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, six weeks ago. And and I think it, when Tabella seemed a little bit more comfortable, he could just find somebody else open like Ballo or something like that or pass the ball to somebody else and and be perfectly fine there. It, it seems like he's slogging a bit. And, and 
I don't, I don't know how much psychology is here. I'm not entirely confident that he's a hundred percent right now. Uh, and, and I don't know if it's an injury or just maybe a bug or, or if he's hit a wall uh, and, and just needs to work through that. I'm hopeful that the engagement thing that we're observing is something more related to like a dog days of August thing that you see in baseball and getting a week off gets him a little bit more energized. Uh, fortunately, you Arizona has a couple been, weeks off with ASU, only ASU next week. Oh boy, I'll I'll leave that argument to you. That was a palate. zing. I I know it was a zoozing at uh, PHN. I see what you did there. Uh, thank you. Uh, we yeah. love you, Sean DePaz. Uh, but but nevertheless, uh, fortunately, maybe this in the long term is a good thing. Uh, obviously, come tournament time, you need Tabellus to be a major factor, if not the major factor, for Arizona success. But during this stretch right here, it might be good news that the other players on the roster can get a little bit of confidence and you feel like you're in good position that Arizona can still be effective on the offensive end, even if Tabellus has an off game. Those are the types of things that help you come tournament time, that versatility. And I'm not sure, you know, maybe there's a silver lining here. Two weeks ago, if we're talking about Tabellus having a bad game in the tournament, we're really concerned that Arizona's tournament tenure is in trouble. Now, based on, you know, how things have been going and Arizona being a little bit more well-rounded, maybe you feel a little bit better going into the tournament. Tabellus is still a difficult stop uh, for an opposition that hasn't seen him consistently, especially with the compliment that is Ballo in the lineup. But with Arizona having to find other ways to be effective, that might be good news. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, Kylan Boswell, again, um, first of all, you know what's funny about Kylan Boswell? It was fun. At, it was funny at first because everybody would say that. Did you know that he's seventeen? Now people are overcorrecting, and it's not funny anymore. Saying that he uh, did you know that he's seventeen? Come on, people, we need to do better than this. But Kylan Boswell, though, uh, that dunk. By the way, I like that. That was cool. This kid's gonna. <coughs> excuse me. This kid's gonna be good. You can just tell this kid is going to be really, really good. I, the more I watch him. His demeanor out there, he doesn't play like he's 17 years old. Um, he's a little bit more bouncy and athletic than you can see if he could be handed the reins next year as a point guard. And for the next couple of years, I think he's going to be a real problem for the league, guys. Yeah, I think when you look at somebody like him, um, obviously tonight you saw what he did offensively, had that dunk, forced a, a couple of nice steals and was able to get up and down the court. But we talked about the guards earlier and we talked about, you know, I remember you, Mike, bringing this up, I think in late December about who's going to be that one guard that can at least at least bring some athleticism and, and get to the hoop. And I think he's that guy. He's obviously not the tallest guy, but he does have some some length to him. He does have the shooting, obviously, and he does have the ability to essentially run the offense at times when you take Creasy out of that main point spot. So, yeah, I think he's a big part of what they want to do um, moving forward. And I think he's a big part of what they're trying to do right now. And, you know, somebody like him is is going to be pivotal to their success. And then another guy, too, and we all know this, and obviously it's been a big, big difference for him being moved to the bench like you hinted at earlier. But just seeing it on paper is bizarre to me, considering where this guy started earlier in the year. Right, right. Larson has seven out of his last 10 games, double-digit scoring since being moved mm -hmm. to the bench. That's right. insane. I've, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but I don't know that I've ever seen this before. I mean, 
I've seen guys that, you know, were just as good start. I mean, we've talked about it before. Jason Terry didn't matter if he started, came off the bench. He'd be the same. But I don't know that I've ever seen a player that was so clearly better coming off the bench. I personally next year don't care how good he is. He's coming off the bench. I don't care what he says. He's coming off the bench. But shoot, joking aside, though, it really is kind of a phenomenon. I don't even know really. Like I said, I've never seen it before. Uh, and uh, yeah, and for whatever reason, it's clearly been effective. Uh, I am not a prescriber. I think you are more than I am in regards to the importance of who quote unquote starts. I definitely fall under the who finishes category. And I like the idea that Larson's still getting what, 28 to 32 minutes a game. It's not like he's been relegated to 15. He's still right. clearly a very integral player on this roster and one of the better teams. And he's uh, one of the better impacts players. his play though. Well, one of the things that I think is also interesting here, and I'll add a slight caveat beyond that, is that Larson did this last year too. I don't know why. Well, last year it was injury related, but it took him, he, he was a significantly better player at the beginning of February than he was earlier in both of the last two seasons. So I don't know if there's a little bit of a coincidence that he finally got confident again, that somebody, you know, figuratively slapped him around and told him, you know what, dude, you're better than this. And, and it finally started to click. Uh, but uh, he, it, it's been, it's obviously been a good thing to see. And, and one of the things I think is interesting in the flow of this conversation is that if you look at the, is, is it the Boswell factor always tends to come down to, well, you know, he's 17, ha ha, joke, joke, joke. But Boswell got better at about the same time that Ramey got better, about the same time that Larson got better, at about the same time that Henderson got better. So these areas of improvement, you can switch out the name of the specific player. We look at it and say, wow, Boswell's really making these incredible leaps uh, in a relatively short amount of time. His upside's going to be huge. But if you look at, at it as a trajectory to four other, three or four other players on, the, on this roster, their trajectory is exactly the same. So we have these con- – we, we just don't say, well, you know, Larson's 20 years old or, or, or Ramey's, uh, you know, 22. We expected them maybe to be a little bit more advanced, but they're all hitting their stride at a good point in time and the exact same point in time. And obviously it's helped with Arizona's versatility and hopefully come tournament time, it's going to make them better. All right, guys, let me tell you about more furniture, morfurniture.com. Now I made a mistake. It's not often that Mike Luke's going to come on here and speak in third person and tell you about a mistake he made. I got something from that was not from more furniture over my shoulder right here. This very large, uh, you can't really tell it, but it's very big. It's a TV stand right here. I should have gotten it from more furniture because the person that brought it in here, he took six hours to assemble. Not only did he take six hours to assemble it, he was sitting there and he asked if he could watch the rest of the game at my house. As I'm telling, I'm kidding you not, I'm sending Ben pictures of this throughout. And I told him nothing personal, but no, you need to leave now. Um, but uh, and more furniture, morfurniture.com, you wouldn't have to worry about this. Mike Luke deserves a punch in the face for not following through on this. More furniture, check it out, show notes, and the link in the description. Big mistake on my part. And illegal Pete's. You might say to yourself, man, it's a Saturday night, big win for U of A. Looking for some action, looking for some good food. Illegal Pete's. Down on University, great food, great drink, 
great action. Check it out. Uh, you don't need to check out the show notes in the link in the description. Just go down there and check it out yourself. Uh, again, illegal peeps. Okay. Now, um, well, hold on just a second. You sent a man home in the middle of the game? No, I sent him home at halftime. He's not going to stay here and watch the second half. What's going to happen? All right. Now, Arizona seating is uh, is out. Um, I found this interesting. Arizona right now, according to the uh, – I don't know what the exact term is, but um, the uh, – the experts. The experts. Arizona is yeah, fair, fair enough. That's why we have Ben on here. Um, Arizona right now is project a uh, second seat out west, according to the NCAA committee that releases these things, ahead of UCLA. I found that a little interesting. I like it, but what we're also finding out though, too, is that um the NCAA selection committee obviously values wins over bad losses right now because UCLA doesn't have the bad losses Arizona does, but they also don't have any of the wins that Arizona does. And you know what? I actually like that. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, you know what? Sometimes this is a long season in college basketball. You're going to lose some games that you probably shouldn't lose. But the thing you can't take away is that you've got a lot of great wins. And right now Arizona's got five wins that they can take uh that they can basically take to the bank thoughts on Arizona right now with the NCAA tournament was to be held being a two seat out West. Yeah. It took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, they're, they're valuing good wins over bad losses. And you know why that is because everybody has bad losses. Look around today, a really bad Kentucky beat a top 10 Tennessee team. The list goes on and on like we've talked about all week and like we've talked about all year. So I think when you look at Arizona in the West, Ideally, the two seed is where you want to be, and then you're kind of neck and neck. You're above UCLA because UCLA is in the east, but if you take care of business and you do what we talked about on the last show and you get a win against UCLA in a couple of weeks, you're probably in that contention for a potential one. If Kansas drops a game or two, who knows who the, how that Big 12 tournament's going to go. You have so many good teams. So uh, Arizona is very much in the driver's seat, and you look at some of their wins, right? We've talked about it. Indiana, Tennessee, these Creighton, all these top teams out of conference and then taking care of a team like UCLA, beating them at their own game, winning by double figures. I think Arizona has good wins, but I would also say that I don't think there are many teams across the country that has the quality of wins that Arizona does have shoe. West, 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 West. And oh, by the way, go West, West. young man. I do not care if Arizona's a one. I do not care if Arizona's a two, I do not necessarily three care if Arizona's a three, although the likelihood of Arizona's a three staying West is a pro is unlikely West, 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 West. And Oh, by the way, West, uh, that's that to me is so much more significant here than the number that they're ultimately in, in the bracket. And at this stage, I think that's probably what they're playing for that they're, they're, where they're slotted is perfectly legitimate. Being out West is perfectly legitimate. Uh, the wins that they have puts them in that position. It's nice to talk about one seeds. Arizona certainly has a very legitimate possibility to get to that point. But I think in a couple weeks, when the tournament comes out with the official bracket, the likelihood that Arizona is that Arizona is going to be a two. Hopefully, Arizona is a two in the West. Let me ask you this, you that allows for the fan base to come out. And if they can get into Las Vegas, that is a big deal. Is that a place where Arizona fans like to go Vegas? I've heard, I've heard, heard I've heard rumors that it is. I've even heard rumors that Mike Luke may be in sin city. Wow. During the pack X 
You know what? I've also heard rumors too that Ben White will be there in Sin City during the PAC-X tournament. And John Schuster will not be in Sin City, but he will be lurking around the the periphery. That will be lurking. Henderson, Nevada, right there. All right, Jervis Jervis Williams, a great poster and a bunch of good stuff that he always comes with. Shoe, you value being in the West over an easy bracket. Well, I can't do anything about an easy bracket. I don't know who's in an easy or a tough bracket. I think just in theory. I mean, mean, you know, hey, we all value a a quote-unquote easy bracket, but you don't have any – yeah. You don't have any control over who is in your bracket at any given time. What you do have control over is putting yourself in position to get a favorable seed. And hopefully for Arizona, that favorable seed occurs in the West. And Arizona has put itself by virtue of strong play throughout the course of the year of being in that conversation. But those UCLA, the, the UCLA game a couple of weeks from now, a game where they will be an underdog and a potential rematch in the pac X tournament uh, are become very important in regards to trying to figure out how to determine what pack X team at the top of the rung ultimately stays in the West. And those are things you can control. Uh, so, you know, in, in, in hypothetical land, you know, do you want your team to be in an, a, a, an air quotes, easy bracket? Hell yeah, you do, but it's not something you can control. That's up to the committee. And it's, and, 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 and you don't know, what teams that may or may not match up with you particularly well are going to be in any particular bracket in any given time. What you can do a better job of controlling is taking care of your business and, and putting yourself in the conversation and discussion for trying to be the team on the West Coast who remains in the West. And if you can do that, the fan base uh, is certainly going to be on your side, and that's uh, obviously a beneficial position for Arizona. All right, Jervis Williams, smart man, understands a smart man, and John Schuster, I love that explanation. Great point. One thing I do got to put a little bit of a stop to right here, and I'm not beating up uh, Lil Lil Dish LVR. You've been a great uh, contributor. Really appreciate you. Um, But uh, when I mentioned, has there been anybody as important as Boswell at the age of 17? Yeah, his name's Gilbert Arenas. Um, uh, You know, he he came in at 17 as well. So, again, we've – uh, I don't think that he was as young as 17, but Arenas was a total phenomenon. I remember. And by the way, when I said what I said, it's not to dissuade the age thing. I mean, it's great that Boswell is doing what he's doing, and it's and it's obviously a storyline that we joke about because we've heard it ad nauseum throughout the course of the campaign. But what I have found that is interesting that benefits Arizona as a team is that Ramey improved at about the same time. Henderson took a step forward at about the same time. Larson took a step forward at about the same time. And Boswell did the same. So Boswell is understandably brought up because of the age aspect. And it's great that he is contributing and making those steps. But the point being that you can see other players on the roster, especially in the backcourt, who have done the exact same thing at roughly the same time. Yeah. You know what? That was not a, uh, that was not a slight. All right. We had a couple of people ask about next year's roster. Don't want to get too far into because we don't really know the detail. We don't really know who's going to be here and who won't, but <coughs> excuse me. You would assume that Kylan Boswell is going to be the point guard next year. Um, what do you expect from him? I expect him, you know, assuming we'll see what happens with Carissa, but I accept, expect him to inevitably roll into that starting role. I mean, I think he's a guy who... If Ben's struggling grooming. a little bit, and there it is. We good? 
Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Go ahead. You, yeah. yeah I, I, breaking up there briefly. Yeah. I, I think I. I think if if I'm Arizona, you know, by midseason, you know, depending on what happens with Kerr, we'll see. But I expect him to eventually kind of slide into that starting role. I mean, he's a guy who could definitely have a contribution there, running the offense, and he's a young guy who, even if he's not in that role, he he's still going to have a place. I think in the starting lineup, you'd be hard pressed to not be able to make the case that he's a guy who's going to be a contributor next year. And then we have to see what happens with those, those two guys up front too, because like we've talked about as good as Tubelis is and as skilled as he is, I just don't know if there's a place for him in the league right now. I mean, if he works on a little bit of a is shooting, if he maybe gets drafted late in the second round, I, I don't know, you know, and, and Ball is one of those guys too, where you have a hard time seeing him in the NBA. But I mean, in terms of Boswell, I mean, he's going to be, some type of viable contributor one way, shape or form if he's at Arizona next year, which he will be. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. And uh, I think it's the kind of athleticism that's the next step for Arizona. Arizona is going to be very yep. effective from an overseas uh, recruiting standpoint, which Skill. is why which is why yep. it's going to be unusual, I think, a lot of times to get a real gauge on how good they are from a, how good their recruiting classes are or how good their utilization of the portal ultimately is. But um, if you can keep bringing guys, if you can attract guys like Boswell with that kind of athleticism into the program, along with the things that you already do well, you feel like that's the next step for Arizona to be uh, even more consistent and perhaps even more effective uh, come Arizona, uh, come NCAA tournament time, which is hard to fathom because uh, a few, you know, last year they were a, a deserved one seed and one of the tournament favorites. Uh, and this year we're talking about the prospect of them likely being no less than a two. If you string together a one and a two seed and back to back, back to back seasons, obviously you're doing something right. But even that said, there's room for improvement and, uh, uh, getting guys like that in addition to what you're already able to bring in uh, to the program uh, is the type of thing that uh, is the next step, I think, that Arizona needs to take. John Schuster, have you ever been to a race car event or a NASCAR yeah. event? Uh, sure. Okay. Let me tell you this. Race car, Octane Raceway Mavericks up in Scottsdale. Let's just say that you want to go race, probably not professionally, but there's good stuff up there. You can race in your little go-karts or you can get good food, video games. If you got a young kid around the house like Ben White, you can take him up there, let him play with all, you know, video games, good food, good drink up in Scottsdale. So you know what? You're going to be a lot of cool people up there. So dress accordingly. But Octane Raceway Mavericks, I'm just kidding. You don't need to dress accordingly. And... The place you never need to dress accordingly, the tap and bottle watch parties. All right. We had one last week. We're going to be having one this following week as well. Love to see you up there. Um, all the greats have shown up there. John Schuster, Ben White, uh, William Brad Alice, Kevin Woodman. Heck, even Anthony Gimino has shown up there. We brought Anthony out of retirement. Nate Rady, all the greats. So, again, we'd love to see you up there. Um, yeah. Uh, tap and bottle watch party. All right. So let's see here. Yeah. We'd love to see you up there. Chef Duarte. Matt um, Newbach has been up there as well. Come on. Matt Newbach has been up there as well. That is a very, very good point. All right. Let's just kind of put a bow on this game though, guys. Like this game with to me was it, you get out to an 18 to six deficit before long it you're up 12. Um, it probably wasn't aesthetically pleasing. And Schuster made the best point uh, probably of the post game where he said, they're they're weird. Uh, Colorado is weird long in that they're not. Yeah, 
Um, overall, a good win, though. I take it. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a perfect performance, but I'll take it, though. Yeah, watching Arizona, we, we've talked about slow starts or we've talked about, you know, stagnant, you know, stagnant offensive stretches. But I think you've watched Arizona against Utah. You've watched Arizona against Colorado tonight where they get down early, like you said, but they respond right away. And not only do they respond right away, but they respond without their best player, giving them meaningful minutes offensively. You look at what the guards have done. You look at the emergence of Courtney Ramey having 26 points a week ago from Stanford. Obviously not a game that Arizona won, but a game that I think propelled them to put up the type of performance that they have this week with Ramey and with a lot of these guards. So Arizona's hitting at the right time, and they legitimately do go seven, possibly eight guys deep now, whereas maybe a month, a month and a half ago, they probably went five or six guys deep. So you see some consistency there. You got four guys in double figures. Balo has a career high. Not much more you can ask for if you're Arizona tonight. My eyes struggle a little bit, so apologies. Uh, a comment earlier that uh, I think it was from Aaron Welsh. If it's Walsh, my apologies. Aaron Walsh. Um, okay, thank you. Uh, that said, uh, he thought that Arizona would play Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament, and he said, quote, book it. Now, keep in mind, I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, if you were looking to me for a DraftKings pick of the week, utilizing some of the DraftKings college basketball boosts that were available today, you, code word PHNX. Code word, you know, had you gone opposite of me, which is always smart when it comes to this, um, you would have made a little bit of dough. For instance, you would not have taken Texas with the boost at as a 10-point favorite against Oklahoma. Nor, despite the 13-point lead at the half, would you have taken Baylor uh, as a five-and-a-half-point underdog against Kansas, even though, again, they were up 13 at the half. Uh, you would have gone the other way and actually made money. I bring that up for this because clearly I am a prediction juggernaut. But my mm -hmm. prediction is this in regards to uh, Aaron's uh, uh, prognostication down below. Arizona is not going to face Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament because Gonzaga is not going to get out of the first weekend. Gonzaga's taken a I'll, I'll, I'll put it out here. A couple people have said this, John Schuster, and I wanted to get your take. Was Tommy Lloyd the reason for Gonzaga's success? Gonzaga's had two down years since the Tommy Gunn left. Just asking. They're a four-loss basketball team. And it, they, but they also they, play they NAU were, every week. They, they're a four-loss basketball <laughs> team that beat, it, that, that, that beat Alabama. You know, they're, and, and in revenge matchups, they won those games by 40. Uh, they're, they're, they're one, interestingly to me, Gonzaga this year is Omar Ballo away from being a national title contender. Mm -hmm. Mark Fuse won 700 games. Is that good? The, you tell me, I, I mean, I'm well, I mean, Dana Altman's won 700 games as well, and he's not in the hall of fame. So maybe that's not a good benchmark. Uh, the, the, we live in a world where, where we use the word or far, far, far too much is it, it, so, so, so there's a lot of this either an or stuff going on. It's just ludicrous. And I, can, can Mark few function without Tommy Lloyd? Yes. Can Tommy Lloyd function without Mark few and be a good head coach? Yes. It's not that difficult. They're both good. Both programs are going to be very good for the foreseeable future. And the, the imminent downturn of Gonzaga basketball is, <laughs> 
I mean, come you on. do realize I was saying this somewhat tongue in cheek, John Schuster. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, well, I, I expect you to be serious all the time. Uh, uh, the guy who has the best Dana Altman joke uh, from Crete, Nebraska, and all. Oh of, gosh, uh, all of, you know, all of podcast history. Uh, so, 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 my relative opinion. I know, I know, Mike Luke, that you don't like Gonzaga and you hate. And no, you hate no, that's here. not true. I don't. I know. was wrong on I Gonzaga. Know, I told I don't you know many what times. It is. I, I don't know what it is you have against them, but I know it might be something about, uh, you know, fly fishing in Spokane. I don't know what it is that you have against Spokane and against Gonzaga, but there's some there, there's some deep seated animosity that you have uh, toward that. Pro- I get it. It's OK. We all have our biases, but I think Gonzaga will function just fine. And I think Arizona did a pretty decent job getting a good coach in Tommy Lloyd. I think both of those things are capable of happening. All right. But they're not going to play each other in the tournament this year because right. Zag is not going to get out of Disclaimer the here, I got to tell somebody might say John Schuster's going really deep talk right there, deep state. All right. Here's what Schuster's referring to. I've known Schuster for a little over 10 years now. It's probably been the best 10 years of his life. And here's it's hard to argue that. <laughs> or you could say it's been the worst 10 years of your life. It's hard but- to argue that. I never bought Gonzaga, and here's why. Because every single year, they played absolutely nobody, and they never made it out of the Sweet 16. And every single year, they'd get a number one seat. But you know what? As any normal person does, you can change with new – you can change when the results come in. Now I actually stick up for Gonzaga. You make the finals two out of six years, you cut through, and you give the big middle finger to Mike Luke. I lost. John Schuster won – I lost. It's not easy for me to say that, but it's true. And that was called shoe critical thinking 101 right there. I like that. Is that a new U of A class? I'd love to enroll in it. Oh, John Schuster. uh, I'd love to teach it. Oh, you would? I mean, you you can. You got a master's. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have two. Yeah, I know you do right there. All right. I don't have a PhD, but I do have two of those. And you backed the A all throughout the process, if I'm not Mm. mistaken. Uh, you might be mistaken, but nevertheless, there oh. are processes to be backed. Did you go back to your Prescott roots? <laughs> yeah, the uh, the storied uh, university system. My dad uh, taught there. I remember that, that. That that's right. Those were the glory days. Your dad's not teaching there now. So so sure. so kind of like as Tommy Lloyd is the reason for Gonzaga's decline. Uh, Vance Luke is the, uh, is the reason for Prescott College's decline as My well. dad is watching, and I guarantee you he's laughing right now. Dad, hi. All right. Everybody out there, uh, by the way, people would sign up for your class. We need to – We need, this has some uh, potential to it. All That's right. some real education right there. Right. Everybody out there, though, really, really appreciate all of you. You are all fantastic. Um, John Schuster, good to have you back. We can't have you getting sick again because half of the comments were, where is John Schuster? So we can't have that occurring. Ben White, you're a great addition to the staff. I can uh, speak for many with that. Everybody out there, appreciate all of your comments. We will be back with you making fun of ASU next week. I'll be back with you Monday. You have been listening to the AZ Wildcats postgame.